Chapter Three of Mount Royal, Volume Three by Mary Elizabeth Braden. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three, Duel or Murder. All the household appeared at breakfast next morning, even poor Dopsy, who felt that she could not nurse her grief in solitude any longer. It's behaving too much as if you were his widow, Mopsy had told her somewhat harshly and then there was the task of packing since they were to leave mount royal at eleven in order to be at launceston in time for the one o'clock train this morning's breakfast was less silent than the dinner of yesterday everybody felt as if mr hamley had been dead at least a week captain vandeleur and mr montague discussed the sad event openly as if the time for reticence were past speculated and argued as to how the accident could have happened talked learnedly about guns wondered whether the country surgeon was equal to the difficulties of the case i can't understand said mr montague if he was found lying in the hollow by the waterfall how his gun came to go off if he had been going through a hedge or among the brushwood on the slope of the hill it would be easy enough to see how the thing might have happened but as it is i'm all in the dark you had better go and watch the inquest and make yourself useful to the coroner sneered leonard who had been drinking his coffee in moody silence until now you seem to think yourself so uncommonly clever and far-seeing well i flatter myself i know as much about sport as most men and i've handled a gun before to-day and know that the worst gun that was ever made won't go off and shoot a fellow through the heart without provocation of some kind who said he was shot through the heart somebody did one of your people i think mrs tregonell sat at the other end of the table half hidden by the large old-fashioned silver urn and next to her sat jessie bridgman a spare small figure in a close-fitting black gown a pale drawn face with a look of burnt-out fires pale as the crater when the volcanic forces have exhausted themselves at a look from christabel she rose and they two left the room together five minutes later they had left the house and were walking towards the cliff by following which they could reach the kiev without going down into Bocastle. it was a wild walk for a windy autumn day but these two loved its wildness had walked here in many a happy hour with souls full of careless glee now they walked silently swiftly looking neither to the sea nor the land though both were at their loveliest in the shifting lights and shadows of an exquisite october morning sunshine enough to make one believe it was summer breezes enough to blow about the fleecy clouds in the blue clear sky to ripple the soft dun-coloured heather on the hillocky common and to give life and variety to the sea it was a long walk but the length of the way seemed of little account to these two christabel had only the sense of a dreary monotony of grief time and space had lost their meaning this dull aching sorrow was to last for ever till the grave broken only by brief intervals of gladness and forgetfulness with her boy to-day she could hardly keep this one source of consolation in her mind all her thoughts were centred upon him who lay yonder dead Jessie she said suddenly laying her hand on her companion's wrist as they crossed the common above the slate quarry seaward of trevalga village with its little old church and low square tower jessie i am not going to see him what weak stuff you are made of muttered jessie contemptuously turning to look into the white frightened face no you are not going to look upon the dead you would be afraid and it might cause scandal no you are only going to see the place where he died and then perhaps you or i will see a little further into the darkness that hides his fate you heard how those men were puzzling their dull brains about it at breakfast even they can see that there is a mystery 
what do you mean only as much as i say i know nothing yet but you suspect yes my mind is full of suspicion but it is all guesswork no shred of evidence to go upon they came out of a meadow into the high road presently the pleasant rustic road which so many happy holiday-making people tread in the sweet summer-time the way to that wild spot where england's first hero was born the englishman's troy cradle of that fair tradition out of which grew the englishman's iliad beside the gate through which they came lay that mighty slab of spar which has been christened king arthur's quoit but which the rector of trevalga declared to be the covering-stone of a cromlech christabel remembered how facetious they had all been about arthur and his game of quoits five years ago in the bright autumn weather when the leaves were blown about so lightly in the warm west wind and now the leaves fell with a mournful heaviness and every falling leaf seemed an emblem of death they went to the door of the farmhouse to get the key of the gate which leads to the kiev christabel stood in the little quadrangular garden looking up at the house while jessie rang and asked for what she wanted did no one except mr hamley go to the kiev yesterday until the men went to look for him she asked of the young woman who brought her the key no one else miss no one but him had the key they found it in the pocket of his shooting jacket when he was brought here involuntarily jessie put the key to her lips his hand was almost the last that had touched it just as they were leaving the garden where the last of the yellow dahlias were fading christabel took jessie by the arm and stopped her in which room is he lying she asked can we see the window from here yes it is that one jessie pointed to a low latticed window in the old grey house a casement round which myrtle and honeysuckle clung lovingly the lattice stood open the soft sweet air was blowing into the room just faintly stirring the white dimity curtain and he was lying there in that last ineffable repose they went up the steep lane between tall tangled hedges where the ragged robin still showed his pinky blossoms and many a pale yellow hawksweed enlivened the faded foliage while the ferns upon the banks wet from yesterday's rain still grew rankly green on the crest of the hill the breeze grew keener and the dead leaves were being ripped from the hedgerows and whirled down into the hollow where the autumn wind seemed to follow christabel and jessie as they descended with a long plaintive minor cry like the lament at an irish funeral all was dark and desolate in the green valley as jessie unlocked the gate and they went slowly down the steep slippery path among moss-grown rock and drooping fern down and down by sharply winding ways so narrow that they could only go one by one till they came within the sound of the rushing water and then down into the narrow cleft where the waterfall tumbles into a broad shallow bed and dribbles away among green slimy rocks here there is a tiny bridge a mere plank that spans the water with a handrail on one side they crossed this and stood on the broad flat stone on the other side this is the very heart of st necton's mystery here high in the air the water pierces the rock and falls a slender silvery column into the rocky bed below look said jessie bridgman pointing down at the stone there were marks of blood upon it the traces of stains which had been roughly wiped away by the men who found the body this is where he stood said jessie looking round and then she ran suddenly across to the narrow path on the other side and someone else stood here here just at the end of the bridge there are marks of other feet here those are the men who came to look for him said christabel yes that makes it difficult to tell 
there are the traces of many feet yet i know she muttered with clenched teeth that someone stood here just here and shot him they were standing face to face see she stepped the bridge with light swift feet so at ten paces don't you see christabel looked at her with a white scared face remembering her husband's strange manner the night before last and those parting words at mr hamley's bedroom door you understand my plan perfectly it saves all trouble don't you see those few words had impressed themselves upon her memory insignificant as they were because of something in the tone in which they were spoken something in the manner of the two men you mean she said slowly with her hand clenching the rail of the bridge seeking unconsciously for support you mean that angus and my husband met here by appointment and fought a duel that is my reading of the mystery here in this lonely place without witnesses my husband murdered him they would not count it murder fate might have been the other way your husband might have been killed no cried christabel passionately angus would not have killed him that would have been too deep a dishonour she stood silent for a few moments white as death looking round her with wide despairing eyes he has been murdered she said in hoarse faint tones that suspicion has been in my mind dark shapeless horrible from the first he has been murdered and i am to spend the rest of my life with his murderer then with a sudden hysterical cry she turned angrily upon jessie how dare you tell lies about my husband she exclaimed don't you know that nobody came here yesterday except angus no one else had the key the girl at the farm told us so the key echoed jessie contemptuously do you think a gate breast high would keep out an athlete like your husband besides there is another way of getting here without going near the gate where he might be seen perhaps by some farm labourer in the field the men were ploughing there yesterday and heard a shot they told me that last night at the farm wait wait cried jessie excitedly she rushed away light as a lapwing flying across the narrow bridge bounding from stone to stone vanishing amidst dark autumn foliage christabel heard her steps dying away in the distance then there was an interval of some minutes during which christabel hardly caring to wonder what had become of her companion stood clinging to the handrail and staring down at stones and shingle feathery ferns soddened logs the water rippling and lapping round all things crystal clear then startled by a voice above her head she looked up and saw jessie's light figure just as she dropped herself from the sharp arch of rock and scrambled through the cleft hanging on by her hands finding a foothold in the most perilous places in danger of instant death my god murmured christabel with clasped hands not daring to cry aloud lest she should increase jessie's peril she will be killed with a nervous grip and a muscular strength which no one could have supposed possible in so slender a frame jessie bridgman made good her descent and stood on the shelf of slippery rock below the waterfall unhurt save for a good many scratches and cuts upon the hands that had clung so fiercely to root and bramble crag and boulder what i could do your husband could do she said he did it often when he was a boy you must remember his boasting of it he did it yesterday look at this this was a ragged narrow shred of heather cloth with a brick dust red tinge in its dark warp which leonard had much affected this year mr tregonell's colour is it not asked jessie 
yes it is like his coat like it is a part of his coat i found it hanging on a bramble at the top of the cleft try if you can find the coat when you get home and see if it is not torn but most likely he will have hidden the clothes he wore yesterday murderers generally do how dare you call him a murderer said christabel trembling and cold to the heart it seemed to her as if the mild autumnal air here in the sheltered nook which was always warmer than the rest of the world had suddenly become an icy blast that blew straight from far-away arctic seas how dare you call my husband a murderer oh i forgot it was a duel i suppose a fair fight planned so skilfully that the result should seem like an accident and the survivor should run no risk still to my mind it was murder all the same for i know who provoked the quarrel yes and you know you who are his wife and who for respectability's sake will try to shield him you know for you must have seen hatred and murder in his face that night when he came into the drawing-room and asked mr hamley for a few words in private it was then he planned this work pointing to the broad level stone against which the clear water was rippling with such a pretty playful sound while those two women stood looking at each other with pale intent faces fixed eyes and tremulous lips and angus hamley who valued his brief remnant of earthly life so lightly consented reluctantly perhaps but too proud to refuse and he fired in the air yes i know he would not have injured your husband by so much as a hair of his head i know him well enough to be sure of that he came here like the victim to the altar leonard tregonell must have known that and i say that though he with his mexican freebooters morality may have called it a fair fight it was murder deliberate diabolical murder if this is true said christabel in a low voice i will have no mercy upon him oh yes you will you will sacrifice feeling to propriety you will put a good face upon things for the sake of your son you were born and swaddled in the purple of respectability you will not stir a finger to avenge the dead i will have no mercy upon him repeated christabel with a strange look in her eyes End of chapter three